This is an Onomi podcast. In the personal finance space, specifically when it comes to influencers, we have a duty of care because this is people's money at the end of the day. To our audience, your followers, whatever that looks like, if it's a course, we're putting our everything Everything. into it (laughs) to make sure that these people come out with a success instead of like, oh, I just got ripped off for $97. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the 9 to Fly podcast. I am your host, Sania Elamin of Flynance. And as always, I have a very special treat for you today. My guests today are the faces of personal finance for women, first gen, and communities of color. Their content is seen by millions of people online every day and what I admire most about these women is they're like the OG. Like, like I learned so much from both of them in my own creator journey and being able to see how they have grown their empires and been able to ditch the nine to fives. I, I knew that I had to bring them on to the show. Okay. You may know them as make real sense and millennial in debt, but I am very proud to call these ladies friends and my sister girls, my black girlies in finance. So please welcome Carmen Perez and Melissa Jean-Baptiste to the show. Hello, hello. Okay, um, I want people to like know who y'all are. Uh, Obviously, I know so much about you, but um, tell us about yourself and like where your financial journey began. Do you want to start, Melissa? Sure. So I am a first-gen Haitian-American. So my journey started back when I was applying to college and I had no idea what finance was. I was just like, okay, you work, you make money, you go to school, that's what it is. And then I graduated and I wanted to buy a home. Mm. And I didn't even have a savings account. Like, what was I about to buy? A dollhouse? And so that's when, <laughs> no, truly, house. especially living in New York, yeah. wasn't about to buy anything. Um, and that's when I really started learning about debt to income ratio. I started figuring out, okay, well, I need to accelerate my debt payoff journey in order to take on this new thing, which is being a homeowner, which is chaotic. Um, and really <laughs> figuring out how to do all of that on a teacher salary. So that's where my financial journey started. And that's how Millennial in Debt was born. I love it. So relatable. Carmen. And and for the folks that don't know, Carmen was like one you were one of the first creators that I ever saw online yeah. talking about money. Like yeah. yep. you, like we wouldn't even be here if it weren't for you deciding <laughs> to pay off your debt and blog about it. So Carmen, tell us about your your journey. Yeah, I mean, as you know, my claim to fame is getting sued for my student loan, $30,000 of it. So that wasn't the beginning of the journey. That was the thing that started the journey though. But really it was just working in finance for a while. Didn't see people that look like me, look like us. And, you know, I was just terrible with money behind closed doors. Like Mm -hmm. terrible credit, didn't have any money saved. I was paying 18% interest on my car loan. That's like financing a car on a credit card. And then, you know, I get this notice in the mail and I was like, what is this? It says summons Queens County Court at the top. And I'm like, what does this mean? Is it jury duty? Why does it have my student loan information at the top? So I Googled it. I was like, oh, this is the start of a, a lawsuit. This is a complaint that I need to answer. And that was the the real big part of my my journey, getting started with paying off my debt. Um, and that was how Make Real Sense was born. You know, it was a platform dedicated to pe- teaching people all about the do's and don'ts of personal finance. And I like to say with, a, you know, a little humor on the side, you know, yeah. you know, I love it. I'm so excited that y'all are here because we don't we don't get into it. OK, yeah. because I feel like there are so many misconceptions around what it means to be an influencer, what it means yeah. to like build a brand online, what it means to leave your nine to five if that's something you should even do. Because it seems like everybody named mama want to be an influencer these days. Everybody. Right? Yes. Everybody. OK, do you consider yourself to be influencers? Why or why not? That's such a good first question. I don't like the term influencer. It almost feels like a dirty word. I know that mm, is what I am now. at the root of it, yeah. right? Um, I started leaning more into digital creator, digital content creator. Because, you know, on Instagram, you can pick like, what, what is, who are you? So I had digital creator for a while and I was so excited to switch it over to author. I was like, leave this influencer stuff behind only because it just feels like oh, that's not real work. You're an influencer. That's not a job. And I just didn't really want to be labeled as someone who's like, you're not working because it's work. It is work. Oh, girl. <laughs> but then, you, yeah, you have like a lot of people. I've had some friends, like no shade, but they'll be like, I want to be an influencer. Well, what's you trying to influence? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the first that's thing, right? Question. Yeah. And then 
Well, I don't, I don't know. Like I want to wear clothes. So, okay. I mean, to me personally, I don't necessarily like the word influencer, but I get it. Like yeah. Melissa said at my core, I think that's what I'm doing. I have, I'm standing on a purpose though, yeah. which is to help people genuinely get better with their money. So I want to influence you to, you know, yeah. get better and we can all improve. Right. But I, I've had some friends be like, I want to be an influencer. Okay. So what, what's your platform going to be? It's yeah. like, Oh, just my, me and my personality. I'm going to show up in a big way. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. You know, so there are definitely influencers out there like that yeah. lifestyle, all the all the different influences. But I think like it feels dirty when it's you got people like, oh, I just want to influence. Yeah. Yeah. Over what? And I almost feel like sometimes I feel like we're anti-influencers yeah. because when so many of the lifestyle, beauty, fashion girlies are just constantly trying to sell products. Yep. I feel like many of us that talk about money are trying to get people to really consider their consumption patterns and like ask themselves like I love when anytime it's like an Amazon day or Black yeah. Friday Melissa you'll be like these are things you don't need you don't need to buy anything mm -hmm. yeah you know so I think that that's important too and then yeah we're we gonna get into that another question I have for y'all since we, we're saying we're not influencers but is being a creator lucrative and how lucrative anything you want to share um, I think <laughs> I know because I share a lot on our close friends, right? I know. Um, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say because you literally just shared something on your close yeah. friends. Yeah, I was like, I, I, I respect yeah. that that was on the close friends. Maybe so. I missed that one because hell, I know it's lucrative for Melissa for sure. <laughs> Melissa's making all of the money. Just <laughs> bag is clear. being held. I'm, I'm, I own a house, y'all. I gotta make sure I keep the roof attached. Um, it can be lucrative. Um, but what I always talk about is like, yes, I am making a substantial amount of money now, but I've been doing this since 2013. Mm. And for the first six, seven years of just my overall content creation, I wasn't even meeting the threshold because Google has like a threshold, like you need to make $100 to get a check to get paid. I was not getting paid even the $100 monthly minimum. And so it took a long time and really figuring out how to build the infrastructure to create uh, projects and create these partnerships with brands where it's like, oh, this is nice on this side but if you think you're gonna some people do if you think you're gonna just jump in and be like i'm gonna create content and make a hundred thousand dollars show me how you did it in, yeah. a, in, a, in less than a year because it's yeah. it's difficult it is difficult i'm shocked that you didn't do it overnight that's know, wild right wait you were an overnight success i wish. Wish. you yeah. said 2013 i gotta put in that much work yeah yeah for me anyway i know there are some because we see with like tiktok people like blow up overnight yeah, right yeah. and then we have um i don't even remember all their names but the people the girl is doing lifestyle and they get ready with me and it's just like they're making so much money and walking all these tube girl was like in fashion shows and stuff that is an anomaly. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time like that for everyone. I wish it did. Um, it's just, that's not the case. But yes, it can be lucrative. Because yeah. when did you start, Carmen? You started in like, like your blog. 20, I started blogging in 2016. That was yeah, when like influencing yeah. wasn't even like yeah. a term. That right. was, like you said, OG. Like they, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just putting my business out there on the internet. Like Put her whole business out there. <laughs> yeah. And I was at home like, okay, envelope stuffing. Yeah. Oh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. You hey. know, so I was like, I didn't know that I was influencing. And I think the to kudos to us, I hate to, you know, I'm going to give us our flowers is that we didn't, I don't think we started this to be influencers. We started this to share our journeys. We started this from, and it's okay. I'm like, again, no shade. If you want to be an influencer, just, you know, to each their own. But I think for us, like that was never the the starting point. You know, we didn't have that end game in mind where it was just like, oh, we just want to help people through yeah. our pain and our struggle. Well, I'll speak for myself personally, it was getting sued, right? So I'm like, I don't want anyone else out there to ever have to deal with this. And it's been lucrative, right? Like when I got laid off in 20, what was it? What started the pandemic, 2020, uh -huh. this helped me supplement my portion of the bills at home, you know, having yeah. this platform and, you know, having these different contracts. But as lucrative as it is, we turn down deals, all of us, Correct. Every yeah. single day that don't yes. align. Again, I think that's where that the the word dirty is synonymous yeah. with influencer because people will start flipping anything and selling anything to their audience, which I think it's a lot different for for us. Yeah. I'm speaking for us. Sorry, y'all. No, you you, you hit the hell you hit the nail on the head. Okay. That's a good segue to my next question. What are some of your biggest icks of creating online? Uh, like personally or ones that I see? Because we could do both. 
Whatever comes to your heart, Melissa. Okay. <laughs> I think personally for me, one of my biggest icks is just seeing people try to sell anything that does not fit into their niche. And we'll get the pitches all the time. Like I just got pitched by two different companies in a very specific industry. And they're like, we love your content. We think your audience would love this. Why do you think that? You are, mm. and I don't want to say the industry, but it's a completely different industry. And they're offering the big bucks. And I know there are going to be influencers who take that. And I'm just like, you're just taking that for the money, right? And so when I could visibly see that this is not aligned with your, your core content, with what your audience expects from you or usually sees from you, I'm just like, ugh, like this was, and people got pay bills, I understand. But if you're just jumping on on anything for a check, it just doesn't really, the authenticity is lacking there. And it's yeah. just like a turn off for me. Yeah. My big thing is terrible ass advice. When it comes to <laughs> yes. Specifically oh, when like it comes selling to money. IULs and things like that. Yeah. And yeah. Like pushing yeah. those kind Scammy. of things. Scammy. Scammy. It's like you have to protect your space in terms of what information you're consuming and making sure that that person on the other side who is, letting building the content for you to consume has your best interest at heart like i have seen so much terrible by not and maybe i don't maybe this fits in for somebody i don't know but generally like you know go get an llc to <laughs> to, to, to buy, buy a g-wagon <laughs> some type of mercedes something yes. and then you can write the whole thing off plus all the baby clothes everything and it's just like that that's not just who writes it off the government yeah right. like, exactly it's yeah. not necessarily just, helpful advice so that's like a yeah. big thing like it just terrible advice or like misinformation and sometimes i may misspeak in something right. you know i'll try yeah. to correct it as quickly as possible in terms of like a number right people will be like oh that doesn't math like you know yeah. one plus one i say oh my bad i said three i meant to say two that's okay but these the terrible advice like that really irks me when it comes to content creation yeah can i, I add one more thing please piggyback also with the non-realistic advice or timelines oh right. i am very mm. big on transparency all three of us are really big on transparency and with the advice like if you start today you could pay off three million dollars in debt in three weeks buy this course. And it's like, I can't, what, why would I pay off three million? Like, I don't even have three million dollars, right? So things like that, where it's just like, this is not realistic. Right. You're, you're setting yeah. me up for failure here because you're trying to make a quick buck. And it's just like, that gives, that's why it gives us a, a dirty word, right? A dirty yeah. name. So when we are selling real authentic courses to help people and benefit people, we're kind of getting lumped into the like, oh, that's another influencer course. And it's like, no, baby, yeah. this is, I am selling you dreams, right? We're giving you the structures and the tools. Um, so that's definitely another big ick. Cool. Yeah, that sets up people. Sorry, Sunia. That, that sets <laughs> up people for like, you know, this instant gratification. Yeah. And I think it's perpetuated, especially in the money space, in yeah. terms of like um, microwave, our microwave generation. We want everything yeah. quick, quick. So quick, when you, you have somebody selling you a course that's saying, hey, this is going to take you a minimum six months. No one's trying to hear yeah. that because the other influencer is saying, you know, I could flip hundred dollars and turn that to a hundred thousand dollars in three days yeah with crypto yeah you know no yeah. one's trying to hear that no i hear you i i would say one of my icks because let's get really real about it yeah is the black tax like mm. i feel like especially for the three of us as black women creators i see the quality of our content i see the way that we can create trends mm. like i'm talking about the three of us specifically yeah creating trends that other creators, non-melanated creators, can come in, swoop up, go viral on, and have so much bigger platforms with such a smaller timeline. I've and value add. Multiple. Yeah. Like, I've seen multiple non-melanated creators. And this is no shade. I'm not trying to make it like us versus them. Right. But it's just something that I feel like it is an ick, and it's something that I feel and know. Yep. I know when even brands are reaching out to us, I know that they've probably reached out to other creators mm -hmm. and anytime I get pushed back on my rates, I know that y'all are not coming to the table, yes. going to any of those people pushing back on their rates. Yep. So it feels like an ick to me. And, and I know that there's still so much lack of transparency in the influencer creator space, but like it really grinds my motherfucking gears. <laughs> Burns your toast. Especially yeah. when... <laughs> The girls know who started what yes. y'all talking about yep. and how y'all talking about it. And certain terms and terminology. Yeah. Come on. We know. And y'all just gonna copy and paste? Yeah, no. I, I just, yeah. I have like no tolerance for it anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Because it's so blatant. It's so blatant. And blatant. when you comment on it, it's like, oh, well, it's it's common knowledge. Is it? Because no one was talking about it before I was. Right. Right. No one. Right. right. Instead of we've we've all discussed this behind closed doors. I've even had like templates and stuff. Like, oh, I know. <laughs> you know, uncanny resemblance when it didn't even exist before. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Like you said, common knowledge, right? That's the blanket. It's like, yeah. all right, I'm going to start protecting this. And that's why I trademark everything. Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Period. And copyright. Correct. Do the thing. Protect your coins. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yes. Um, okay. Let's shift gears. I, I want to get into like where your creator journey started. I know we kind of touched on it a little yeah. bit, but just kind of really painting the full picture of like from deciding, okay, I'm getting sued for these student loans. What made you decide to create that blog and, and kind of grow from there? So tell us, like, can you both kind of chime in on what inspired you to start creating content online? And like, where did you start? Because I think it's also, I want to also show that all three of our brands have just evolved so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So whoever wants to start, feel free. Yes, sir. I mean, I'll kick it off. Yeah, I, I had no business writing, first of all. <laughs> Let me say that. Y'all know that my grammar and spelling skills just aren't up to par. That's why I majored in finance. But I will say I started with the blog 2016, like we, we said earlier. And that was the decision to do that was one, I just need to get better with my skill. Like my, where's my weakness, right? And it's writing, like full stop. And it's still my weakness. Mm -hmm. It is over the course of now we're nearing what, how many years? Uh, seven years. It still needs to get better. But I started with the blog because one, I was like, I want to lean into this weakness to I want to be able to teach finance in like a fun way. Whereas I was in working Wall Street, like, like I said, nobody looked like me mm -hmm. and nobody was really making this information very accessible. Yes. And then the other voice in the space at the time, there was a couple, but it was so negative and like bootstrap mentality and there's no systemic issues that we have to deal with and yada yada. So I just yeah. was like, let me lean into a la Bave Bamsey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the name that, that shall be not mentioned. Yeah. That could be a whole different show. It's yeah, literally right, like Voldemort is. saying that. Yeah. Um so <laughs> so leaned into creating the blog and then I was like, cool, I want to actually start making this really accessible just for other people's language that makes sense, breaking these terms down because I can't stand when people, you know, throw out financial terms and don't provide any context, assuming the other person knows what that is. And then even laughing about it if they don't. It's like, yeah. what's a high yield savings account? It's like, why, like, why try to make someone else feel dumb? Right. So, exactly. you know, I started writing the blog and then Instagram came around and I started like sharing like little pictures and like, oh, this is what I'm doing with my cash envelopes. And mm -hmm. I'm going to start doing a couple of YouTubes, dropped off of YouTube because I couldn't sustain like the content creation portion of that. Mm -hmm. Really leaned into Instagram and then things just kind of took off from there. And it was more so like, I don't have any strategy. Again, what I said at the beginning is like, we didn't start like influencing when I started was not a, even a term that was not anything. So it was more like, let me just put this up and try to provide some direction for other people. Cause I'm going to start getting questions. People are like, Oh, how did you do that? Or what does that look like? And then it just kind of blossomed and, and grew from there. I love it. My internet journey is very long and crazy. Um, but I think my friends and family all laugh. And, and when we look back, they're like, you were meant to do this. Because I started really, 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 really early. I always loved writing. I was an English major. So <laughs> I loved writing. And I started on Zanga. I don't know if y'all remember oh, Zanga. Girl, I know what? That. Yeah. yeah. I started writing on Zanga and I would write about like breakups and all this stuff, but I would be writing and then you had to learn to like code, like do HTML. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this template. And then it became MySpace and I would just be on there, on there, on there. And then I started writing my own blogger. These are all like, oh, blogger, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, I'm so old. Uh, I started writing my own blogger and I would do like sneaker reviews or album reviews, but this was just like all like, meh, whatever. And then I shaved my head in 2013 mm -hmm. and my best friend was like, maybe we should tell people about this. I'm like, why? Who, who cares? And she's like, no, she's like, you write all the time. And I was always taking pictures and she's like, maybe we should like do a blog. And I'm like, okay. And then, so I started a hair blog in 2013 with $10. Didn't know that. 
with $10 on WordPress. And I was like, oh, I know a little bit of like coding from Zanga and MySpace. And would just do like all the stuff on my own on the back end. And then I started the YouTube. She's like, yeah, show people how you do your hair, which I hated. I was like, can we pivot out of this? Like, I don't want to do that. And then I grew a beauty blog and Instagram. That's where I started. And so I, it's yeah. still out there. Trials and trusts. I don't post on. It's been deaf like six years. Um, but I would like highlight black women's hair, highlight my own hair and do all of that. And then I really wanted to buy a house. That like, I was like, I want to buy a house and I couldn't. And so everyone was like, oh, you have so many student loans and all this stuff. I'm like, well, how are people are my age going to Thailand every week mm -hmm. and buying homes and doing all this stuff? I need to know. And then when I started having conversations, like, girl, we in debt credit cards. We're doing all this stuff. And so I was sitting in embarrassment and shame. And I was like, oh, everyone, everyone's going through this. So I wrote a web series. I wrote a web series during Regents Week, which for those who are not in New York, that's like just testing week for teachers with their students. I wrote it in a little notebook when I was supposed to be moderating the students taking tests. I was like, they're good. And I'm writing and writing. And I went back to my best friend. I was like, let's film this. I had no idea how to film anything on that scale. And so we put it up on YouTube and it got really big on YouTube. And I was like, maybe I should do an Instagram for this. Like, I don't know. Like, this seems like the right next step. And it just like blew up from there into an educational platform. And then Reels came out. When Reels yeah. came out, I was like, oh, this is my wheelhouse. Like, I can write the captions. I can write the content. I can do the filming and the editing and stuff that I love and still teach people about all the things that I've done, all the mistakes that I've made, all the new things I've learned. And that really was just like, girl, you started talking about your breakups on Zanga. And then you <laughs> were talking about sneakers on Blogger. And then you was talking about hair. And then now you're talking about money. It's like, yes. So reinvent yourself. Change, wow. you know, pivot and do all these things. And now I'm talking about money and career careers and things like that. And it's like, it's where I'm supposed to be. This yeah. is what I'm supposed to be doing. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. Knowing <laughs> all of that. Know that. I did not know that about you, Melissa. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. I think why you're so creative when yeah. it comes to personal finance content is because like you've had to <laughs> make been it in work. this game. In multiple yeah. niches. Okay. Yeah. I, I truly feel Melissa like has been here. <laughs> Y'all both have been here. Okay. <laughs> Try and try. I feel like I, I feel like I stand on your shoulders because oh like I, I started in 2020. Like, I feel like y'all had kind of laid the groundwork for like, oh, this is a thing. You can like be a personal finance yeah. hashtag debt free community, like creator person, personality. So I just want to say that I appreciate you. No, oh, I mean, look, your like, content. Wow. No, can I just say, so coming from the beauty space, which was very competitive and not really community oriented, I didn't really enjoy being in the beauty space. You were the leader and I stand 10 toes on it. You were the leader on building community in the finance space. Yeah. Because I remember you DM me. We didn't, we didn't like, we follow each other, but we didn't know you DM me. We were like, hey, there are some other really great black and brown creators. Let me put you on. Like, let me like introduce you. And I was like, okay, like, why not? And we got together and built the clubhouse conversation. Yeah. And I was just like, this is nice. Mm -hmm. right where I can talk and build community and we're not in competition we're supporting each other so yeah, yeah. you're a leader here you're a yeah. leader out here we Thank we are you, very Melissa. much we're here because of you so yeah I agree with that. You're, Echo that. You are. Oh my gosh. You yeah, girl. It's Thank you. you. <laughs> I, I forgot all about that. I it forgot all about you, that. But girl. no, you bring up a good point. I feel like in even I think even in building a creative journey and sustaining one, it comes down to community. Like yeah. I don't think that I would be here if I hadn't met you all and we just kind of supported one another and said, oh hey, like I mean even now where like brands will reach out, like we'll slack each other and be like, hey. I know they lost their goddamn mind for this one. Or what do you think we should ask for this? Or like, yes. you know, or let's collaborate together. How can we like bring our towns together? So I, I feel like that is just such an underestimated part, I think, of building a brand online is that it's not all just rugged individualism. Yeah, like right. you have to have that community structure, especially when you start out because so many brands, companies will take advantage of oh, you. Oh, yes not even knowing, you know, what is fair rates, what you should be asking for, right? Like those are way too many deliverables for a hundred dollars on PayPal, right. you know, like. Yeah. And a free product that costs. Yeah. Ciao. Yeah. Ciao. Free tea. <laughs> so we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to like dig a little bit deeper. How do you all feel like the role of like financial educator influencers differs from other creators besides like, I mean, we talked about the overconsumption angle, but like, do you feel like there are other things? I know for me, I'd be mad that like, why don't we get invited to like all the cute events? Yep. Right. 
Yep. That and regulation. There's so Ooh, yeah. much regulation Ooh. in the finance space. So it's like, I might want to do, you know, some really cute amplified creative thing or say things a certain way. And they're like, no, legal said, no, you got to read this script. And those pieces don't perform as well when we know as a creator, dry. we know how to do this for our audience. It's like, you can't do that. Yes. Right. Where if I'm reviewing lipstick or if I'm in partnership with like a lipstick company, it's like, yeah, do whatever. Just do highlight whatever. the lipstick. Right. And it's like, it's not the same when I'm talking about a fight. Baby, actually, don't even talk about the lipstick. Just be in Dubai, be in Turkey. Yes. Pickles, and just, you know, use the hashtag. Don't even use the hashtag. They already know that you're out there. Exactly. Girl, yeah. The creative content on whenever it comes to anything personal finance, it's it, to me, it's just very dry. Like you end up not being able to say, Anything. You can't can't say money. They're like, no, scratch that. You have to say some form of currency. And it's like, well, make sure you're very specific. The USD. Like, it's like, okay. (laughs) It comes down to the emojis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like, don't use that emoji. Yeah. Like, legal said has a problem with the emoji. Yeah. Right. Right. It's just, it's a different ballgame in the finance influencer space. But also, too, like, to just, Again, like go back to that terrible advice. I think that in the personal finance space, specifically when it comes to influencers, is that we should have we have a duty of care because this is people's money at the yes. end of the day yes. to our audience, to or however you want to say it, your followers, whatever that looks like. But some people don't. They don't care. They're trying to get a quick buck. Like, that's why you have to be very mindful of, like, the sharks in the water. And thankfully, like, all of us are not that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, like you said, we're selling, uh, Melissa, if it's a course, we're putting our everything Everything. into it (laughs) to make sure that these people come out with a success instead of, like, oh, I just got ripped off for $97. And, you know, I don't know. So... But I also feel like it's levels to it because I I sometimes feel like even within like the black money space, like I feel like we don't necessarily be talking to some like other black creators that I be seeing where I'm just like, how is there no synergy here? Mm-hmm. Like it almost feels like I feel like we are personal finance, but then I feel like other even black creators that talk about money, I don't feel like they personal finance because you kind of get what I'm saying? Like I yeah. feel like. When Le- I think about like more. when I think about like the invest fest, and, like, yeah, that I know. Kind oh, of, right, right, right. Like we're left know. out. We're left out of that narrative. Like I mean, like I, I even saw that. <laughs> I even saw that somebody had like literally had a black finance awards. I didn't know anyone on the yeah. Yeah. picture. Yeah, and I'm just like, how is that possible when? Yeah. I mean, between the three of us and then people like Daisha, Michael, yeah, right. like we're touching hundreds of thousands of people. How is it that? we're not even in these conversations. Yes. Yes. And I, and it's not like to toot our own horns, but when we look at our analytics, right, when we look at from there where brands, partnerships, all these awards are like, okay, well, show us your analytics. We have impressions in the millions. Yes. Yes. The millions, tens of millions. And that's a fact. And it's just like, you don't think we were even worthy of a nomination. Like, (laughs) we don't got to win, but geez, like our name's not even like a thought in the nomination process. It's just really strange. It's always been strange to me. But yeah, I agree with that. All right, let's shift gears. You both have grown your brands and your businesses beyond just social media. So I want to also hear like what inspired you both to become a founder, become an author? Like how did those things fit into like the empires that you're building? You start, Carmen, because you know, I have a lot of questions for you. Yeah. Girl, why, why, why? Do you enjoy inflicting pain on yourself? <laughs> it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of pain. Let me first start off by saying this. This has always been my calling. I have always... Really? Not, okay. not to be a, a tech founder. I didn't know what that looked like. But my first pitch was when I was 11 years old. I walked into oh, that 1-800-IDEAS no. office oh. and pitched the hell out of an idea. And they're like, this is great. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, this is great. Give us $10,000. <laughs> Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what? <laughs> Give us $10,000 to make this happen. So, you know, that was my first taste of rejection. Oh, but I will wow. say, no, I've always kind of had this thought that, you know, I want to be my own boss one day. Okay. I didn't know what smoke came with that. But, <laughs> but I knew that I wanted to be my own. I pictured what that looked like. The picture is very different. So I will say to anyone listening to this, it is going to be wildly different than you expected. So it's not going to show up in the way that you thought. But what has inspired me or like really helped me want to become a founder is the fact that if we want a seat at the table 
or to have products that really impact us or think about us first, no one else is going to do that. So it's just, it's, if it's kind of like, if not me, then who else? Mm-hmm. And there's so few founders in the tech ecosystem that look like me, that look like us, that are creating products that unfortunately will never probably see the light of day because of the lack of funding and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was just a, it was a, it was the, it was the time, it was the place. And I said, you know what, if I want to make a change and be the change that I want to see in the world, I have to like step up to the plate, regardless of how hard this is. And it, you can never, I, I thought I knew but you really can't prepare yourself for how hard this journey is going to be until you're like sitting on the other side. And tell us about your app because I don't think we've heard about it on the oh, yeah. show yet. Um, so Much is a budgeting app that helps people pay off debt faster. And that is created all around, you know, the journey of me paying off $57,000 of debt in two years and nine months. I quit my job as I hated working in finance, <laughs> saved up some money to learn how to code, to build this because I couldn't pay anyone to do it. But like I said, like if we're gonna have a seat at the table and have products that inform the other people, not melanin are making products for us yep. to use with us as the last thought in mind. Correct. It's, you know, usually very male, very pale, as Berna says, mm-hmm. that are making these products. And, you know, I was like, no, I'm going to make I'm going to make an app. You know, nobody else has an app like doing what we need it to do. So I'm going to do it. And that's how it started. I learned how to code, started working in tech, actually, and then switched over to being a founder. Okay, and um, tech stars, among other things. I mean, like, yeah. Okay, I'm 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 so inspired by you. Yeah, Very. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, tech stars definitely like a, a took three tries to get in, but I will say, you know, it Third shows up when it's supposed yeah. to. Yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah, Melissa, coding. Every time I see you coding, I'm just like, yeah. I'll be. I'm all in your tears and everything. You know, I'm really in tears at the end of the day, but <laughs> I'm doing it. That's what I mean by y'all. Are. Real OGs, like everything that y'all are about, y'all have actually lived through, put up, threw up to the wall, saw what stuck, and I think that's what I really appreciate about both of you. Just like your resilience. And just like your authenticity, like, you know, y'all will never tell somebody to do something that y'all haven't done. Y'all right. put yeah. your own money go. and lives yeah. on the line. Yep. And I think that's what, you know, we feel when we see your content. Yeah. Melissa, what about you? Come on, best-selling author. <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to be an author my entire life. It was literally a goal my entire life. I've been writing in a diary since I was like eight, and they're all stored in my parents' attic. <laughs> and then they're like, can we throw this out? I'm like, no, never. It's my first writing. <laughs> that's for my memoir. <laughs> right? And so I always was like, oh, I'm going to write a memoir. But similar to, you know, your friends who want to be influencers, it, when I got a publisher, they were like, why do people want to know about your life? I'm like, cause I'm interesting. Like, <laughs> like, girl, not that interesting. Right. And so the book really became like part memoir. So it is part like all my stories and things that I've been through, but it's also really just educating people on how to, from start to finish, navigate their money to go and become future millionaires. That's a really big thing. I want more black and brown. Millionaires. Yeah. I, yes. That's just what I want. And I want it now. Yeah. And so, like you said, I had to create that table. Yeah. And so I talk about my book very often and say that it's for the culture because, you know, I'm cussing in there. I'm using improper grammar, not because I'm not educated, but because like that's how I want to talk to to my my peers. That's how I want to talk to my friends. That's how I want to talk to my former students. Shout out to them who've been like reposting all over Instagram. But I wrote this book for people who look like my former students or people who look like us or people who look like my brothers who they want to learn about investing. And they're like, oh, who, who am I going to learn this from? And I'm like, from me yeah right so it was such a dream come true and definitely doesn't it didn't look how I thought it would look yeah like you said like I want to be an author I'm like this I'm gonna be on the New York Times bestselling list like oh that's not it doesn't work exactly like that we're gonna you know navigate but I have enjoyed uh seeing people enjoy the book experience yeah. the book yeah. you know sharing the book so it's definitely just been a dream come true okay and tell us the title where we can find it so this is why i am broke you can find it where all books are sold um you can find it on so this is why i'm broke.com um and we're also getting signed copies with a bookstore soon so Yay. you know if you want a signed copy for the holidays or a friend or two we can get that for you okay i love that very oh. excited See, I'm just like, 
I love this. I, I feel like this is so helpful for people to like hear and see because I think that there's also this idea that like you become an influencer, you make millions of dollars and then that's it. But then, <laughs> but the reality is no. being a creator is so much more nuanced than that. Yeah. And for many of us, we have to create these true streams of income that we own. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't own nothing on social media. Right. Yeah. Right. And chow, one good time again, hacked out of your account. We'll, we'll yeah. have you. Yes. Have me saying, Hit yeah, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, you can kiss my blockers. Okay. So let's talk about like the shift from leaving the nine to fives. Like, okay. what inspired y'all to leave your nine to fives? Were you pushed out? Did you <laughs> voluntarily make, you know, because I feel like that's also part of the myth, right? The yeah. myth is you become an influencer and then six months later, you can quit your job. Yeah. And then people are like, why are you still working a nine to five? You have, yeah. you make all this money online. First of all, why are you counting my pockets? Right. But tell us, okay, but you talked about Carmen. Wait, were all of us laid off? Yes. I got laid, <laughs> I got, I got laid off. Yeah. yeah. In 2020. Okay, in 2020. Got, but that's not but when then I you quit. You went back. I went back because I got scared. <laughs> I needed, that's, I needed a job no, to keep yeah, the lights on so again because the the influencing is not. It was not influencing enough yeah. to pay the mortgage, so you had to like. You weren't making Melissa money back. Yeah, then? I wasn't making Melissa money, you know. And I'm still even. Not. I wasn't making Melissa yeah. money. Back, so it's like, <laughs> this and this is so funny. Today is actually one year since I was laid off. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, oh, that, that's that awesome. just gave me goosebumps. Full, full circle, right full there. Full circle. They oh they fired God. me right after Thanksgiving. I was like, right after a huge project too. They're like, this project's great. And we're also downsizing the marketing department, so bye. (laughs) And that was so interesting, Melissa, because you didn't initially put it out there that you were laid off. Because even when I got laid off later in February, I didn't even know that you were going through that until you were like, oh, yeah, it's been like a couple months since I was laid off. So like terrified. Okay. (laughs) Even being a creator, making you were making good money. Like, where was that fear coming from? So I feel like I was making enough money to quit my job since 2019. Um, And I was in therapy. Shout out to my therapist. She was just like, you know, just, you know, whenever you're ready, just jump. And then the pandemic happens. And I was like, oh, ain't no (laughs) jumping. Ain't leaping now. Ain't no jumping. Like, there is no way, right? And so I ended up shifting from education into tech. And I loved it. I was making so much money with the business, so much money from my tech. I was like, I am balling. Like, this is amazing. I'm going all, all these trips. And then, like I said, right after Thanksgiving, they're like, Oh, yeah. So this stream of income that you love is gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to pay you till J- January and good luck. Right. And so I had never and this is such a privilege. And I talk. this is what I talk about so much. I have never paid for health insurance before I got laid off. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was like and I don't like it. And so- yeah, <laughs> I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. And so I was panicking. Right. Because I'm just like, oh, my God, I have to rework a budget. I have this home that I have to still pay for. I have all these bills. And then I have additional things because now I have to pay this health insurance. That's not just five dollars. It's a lot of money. Um, And so with influencing. So I was making really good money influencing back then, still now. But I didn't have like a really good business plan. And I think that's the last time. I just want to influence. I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have the strategy. I was just vibing because I had the nine to five. So I was like, oh, I'll do this. I'll I'll drop a course. Like, this is great. But once that, that steady paycheck was removed, it's like, girl, you need to figure out how to make this a real business. You need to figure out how to have sustainable money because that, that nine to five money is gone. Yeah. So I was terrified. And so I didn't know how to show up in front of the camera and just say like, Hey, I lost my job that I've been telling you guys all about and Mm. I don't know what I'm about to do. I don't know if I'm going to get another job. I don't even know how I'm going to pay for health insurance. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't even tell my parents till January. Yes. And because we had this family vacation in December and I'm like, I don't even know if I should be going on this. Like, I don't know what to tell them. Mm. And so I really had to sit down and just be like, okay, girl, like, get this plan together, figure it out. And then once I really felt secure, I was like, okay, we're going to give ourselves three months of runway. That's uh, entrepreneurs always talk about runway. Like I have, okay. I'm like, I have six months of runway. Okay. I was like, I have this much runway. And still now, even with making good money, I'm like, I have eight, eight months of runway. (laughs) I got eight months of runway. I don't care how much money is coming in. Like once this number goes below this, I'm looking for a job. Like my, my partner was like, 
but you always like you make more money like you, you have your own out. dreams you, you have partners like you all this i was like i don't care right so that fear never goes away it gets maybe smaller but it's definitely still something that is uncomfortable because i've had a job since i was 16 a steady yeah. Yeah. nine to five since well maybe nine to five i was in school but a steady paycheck since i was 16 so this is different and it can be exciting and very lucrative but it's also in the back of your mind you're just like what's about to happen yeah. And then economy, right? So my homeowner's insurance just went up $200. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Messing up uh, the runway. Re- yeah, messing up the runway, having to rework the budget and doing all these things. Just like, I don't like that. Like, okay, we got seven months runway. So we're still navigating it. And I people ask me all the time, am I going back to 9 to 5? And the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. Don't That's know. such a real answer. Yeah. yeah. And I really appreciate you sharing it because I think yeah. for so many of us that are probably listening and watching this podcast, we may have experienced layoffs ourselves and it's scary as hell. Yeah. And I feel like we, you know, even being creators online, there's privilege, but then there are also trade-offs. And yeah. I think you've made that very clear that it's like, <laughs> yes. it ain't all sunshine and roses. And mm-hmm. while it's great to have these multiple streams of income, now being an entrepreneur and having that like pressure of like, oh, right, I don't have, ooh, wait. Yes. That yes. 186 salary not coming in, ooh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. And I think for me, I I think it's I I teeter and totter because my I feel like my financial goals had to slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna hit these milestones so quickly because yeah. I'm just like stashing all of this money that I'm making from finance. I don't even have to spend it. And ooh, first of all, having a business in New York State, ooh, chow. Yeah. And Connecticut, yeah. let me say that. Wow. That is- it's yeah. like, now yeah. I see why the girls be moving to Houston because, yeah. first of all, a third of all, all my money is going, yeah, it's going to New York State and yeah. the, the federal government. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think for me, it was also, I, I had to learn to live in that discomfort of, okay, you may not be able to hit these net worth milestones as quickly as you once did when you were able to, you know, save 25% of your salary in your 401k and max it out in two months. When you were able to stash all this money into different savings accounts and it's fine if that's what you want, you know? And I think I just had to learn to like live in that discomfort. Discomfort. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I was so, you know, when I had the nine to five, I, I think I had... I trained myself to just see, like, okay, yeah, when we are Dollar doing yeah. things, we get to the next level, like, that's... So what about you, Carmen? I feel like, because you went from layoff to code, back into tech, to tech founder. Look, I, I am not at the lucrative and fun part yet. As, as Melissa, I will be full transparent. So I'm at the, you know, I haven't... Uh, contributed to my retirement in the past few years. Like this is a real deal of entrepreneurship. Okay. Like let's, let me, let me get into it. All right. Get into it. Please. Cause they say, Oh, tech stars, you know, you got some money from them. And it's like, okay, I got the money to build a company. $120,000 was one of my salaries for a year. Right. That was $120,000 to build a company. That's $10,000 a month. I have to hire other contractors yeah, yeah. to, you know, build out certain things and, and what I was doing at the beginning of the year and so on and so forth. I'm in year two on $120,000. Okay, think about that. That's after hiring different people, different contractors. Like now I have somebody that is basically working with me in terms of just investing into the company, their time, because I can't pay them. I'm not paying my, I didn't pay myself for an extended period of time. And now that I am paying myself, it's very, very small. Like, I mean, I'm probably making, we were joking at the beginning of this, but like probably making less than $8 and $7 in a high cost of living area an hour for the amount of time that I put in. And I'm I'm paying myself less than $2,500 a month. You know, so relative to coming off the high of like, you know, the golden handcuffs working in finance to now trying to figure out how to navigate this journey. And thankfully, I have a partner. So, right, like I had I have no debt. Well, now I'm getting starting to get more debt because of the business. I'm trying to make things work. Right. Mm -hmm. But like not if if I didn't have the partner, I wouldn't be able to do this. Right. Right. Because I'm on scholarship Mm -hmm. right now. You know, like she's helping fund a lot of this journey, Mm -hmm. whereas you know, and I'll be like transparent with that because if I didn't have, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't have not been able to at least even do this for maybe for a year. Right. And then if it didn't work out, I'd have to shut it down because I have to go back and get a job. But this has been like 
a very challenging journey. And I will say like the financial component adds way more stress if you don't have the runway than it needs to and starts like messing up business decisions, right? Right. Because now you're like grasping at straws and it might not be the best thing for your your business in the the long run, but in the short short term short term, it's saving you time, effort, energy, and money. But it's not like necessarily like a really good investment. Right. So yeah, this journey has been interesting. Like I said, it it showed up differently than how I pictured it. Yeah. You know, like I've gotten to the end of runway. Um, I got a ten thousand dollar grant at the end of December. So we, I've literally been flying on like just by the seat of my pants. And this is that entrepreneur journey that I've heard some people talk about. It's like, we almost closed down three times. We had $10 left and a contract came through. And, you know, I've seen stories on LinkedIn where one founder was a black founder, very transparent, said, we basically had to like shut down our company because we have two contracts in flight that now we can't take, we can't actually even actualize because we ran out of money. So it's like we need we just need somebody to float us alone something so we can get those we're waiting for the contracts to come in they're signed we're just waiting for the money but now we need like we have 0 dollars in the bank so can someone give us a loan and it ended up working out but that's how the journey has been for me it has been literally building the plane on the way down and it hasn't necessarily been the most fun thing but I'm now just year 2 learning to like ease into the process and like really embrace like what narrative was I sold that made this seem like it was going to be easy? Mm. And why did I buy into that? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love that. That's true, girl. And, and, which is why <laughs> I, I give my hat off to you, Carmen Perez, because I'm like, from the outside looking in, I know that it's tough. I mean, and, yeah. and I feel like you're very transparent in talking about with fintech apps, especially so many of them have been built by rich white guys i mean yes. essentially you know yes. who could either front the money or make it partner free. with these huge yeah. corporations and didn't have to kind of deal with the like day in and day out of like actually building the thing yeah so yeah. um shout out much app much yeah. app download w- much app yeah okay. download it www.usemuch.com yeah <laughs> head over there and it's not free because we do not sell your data so we'll get that question yeah. a lot it's like, well, why Mint's going out of business one, so you can't use them anymore. Yeah. They're done. But the reason why budgeting apps and all money apps in general charge end up charging users is because the data aggregation costs money. So it costs money to connect accounts so you can get that data so you can see it in the platform. And the reason why people charge is because, okay, we, we're not going to sell your data. Unfortunately, there's some platforms that are going out of business that <laughs> you can't use that are free that sell your data in order to, you know, show you ads and push you things yeah. that you may not necessarily need, not necessarily in your best interest. Um, but that's not a sustainable business model. And that's right. why they're shutting down. So shout out yeah, to my okay, You heard it here, folks. Dan, building in public. I love when I said that. Building in public. Yeah. So we know what we're using, what we're yeah. doing. There you go. Okay, we're almost at the... I, I just feel like this conversation has been, like, just so rich. Like, I yeah, feel like I agree. we've really gotten into the heart of so many just misunderstood topics around, like, what it means to be a creator, what it means to leave the nine-to-five. Girl, don't leave your nine-to-five. How about that, yeah. okay? Yeah. <laughs> not if, not if you got a lot of runway. Make them have to literally take <laughs> you out with your cold, dead hands before you leave yeah. your nine-to-five. Truly. Seriously, because I I see too many messages online trying to shame people into having nine to fives or shame women for, you know, oh, you don't really care enough about your thing, your idea, if you're still working a nine to five. And I just think that is such bullshit advice, especially for communities of color where many of us don't have the financial literacy, the wealth, the privilege or the safety nets to just decide, oh, yeah, I'm going to just give up this consistent stream of income. So that's number one. But I want to hear from both of you if you have any advice for a black or brown girl or anyone, but, you know, not to fly, we center black and brown women's experiences. What advice would you give to a fellow girly out there who wants to build her own brand? She wants to be a creator. She thinks she has something that she could influence on. (laughs) Like, what advice do you have, especially just knowing how different the landscape looks like today than when the both of you started? 
So different. Um, I always say whenever I talk to anyone, whatever part of their journey, your story is what makes you different. Your story mm. is, and you really have to pinpoint the parts of your story you're willing to share. That's another part, right? Because we all have really rich, huge stories, but we're not putting all our business out on front street. So you have to pick the two or three things that you think are going to connect with other people that you can build content around. Um, and so for me, I know it's like, being an educator, pivoting into tech, paying off student loans, like that is my thing, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes a little home ownership, but that is my story and that's what I build my content around and that's what connects with my audience. So if you have your story, you're like, I don't know what to niche down, choose the parts of your story you feel are connectable and then that's what you build your brand around. That's that's always what I put to tell everyone. Like I wouldn't have been in the beauty boy if I didn't shave my head. So you have to yeah. pick the parts of your story that people can relate to. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Um, I would say like just quick, quickly, I think a lot of us were building before we quit our nine to five, right? I think it's important to know, like I was getting up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to learn how to code, getting off before I went to work, after I'd get home, I'd learn how to code. I was posting content on the weekends like we are we work generally seven days a week i would mm -hmm. i would i would say correct yeah we work generally seven days can a week. i work so nine days a week is let that me, a thing? yeah <laughs> nine days a week. Let, let me not glamorize it right yeah but i will say yeah. if you're looking to build your brand um similar to melissa like pick a lane and if that lane doesn't necessarily work out it's okay give yourself space and grace to be able to switch and pivot to something different that maybe energizes you. But this is going to be the, for the long haul, right? So you have to be able to talk about something or influence. <laughs> the girlies want to influence something that you care about. Because then yeah. you start getting really bored and run out of ideas mm -hmm. when it's not something that you're really truly passionate about. So if it's closed, like double down on that and realize like it's not going to necessarily happen overnight. Good if it, if it does. That's like literally winning the lottery. So don't mm -hmm. bet on that. But I would say pick your lane lean into it, focus on that storytelling and how you can connect with your audiences in an impactful and meaningful way. I love that. The only thing that I would add is comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. yes. Correct. And yes. you got to really make sure that you are truly being called to do this work, not that you are trying to compare what you see other people doing online, mm -hmm. because that will always be a slippery slope yeah. down into a rabbit hole of misery. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I feel like for me, being a creator, I I feel like God put it on my spirit. Yes. Because, like, I could not, I could not shake that idea. Like, I felt like, you know, like, it's just like, what's that idea choosing me? Wait, like, I don't yeah, want yeah. money. No yeah. way. Hey. Like, I literally remember telling, like, my family, like, oh, I'm going to start posting about, like, my debt-free journey. You don't need to be talking about money online. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to be business online like, yeah I remember my grandmother being like really like afraid for me yeah because she didn't understand right but I truly I feel that you know God put it in my spirit because I was meant to touch other women and help them you know my story was the only story that was going to connect with them. I don't yeah. know yeah so I, I just say back to that comparison piece because it's like being a creator online it is day in and day out having to like having to stifle that feeling of no, her, no, and yep. no one's better than me yep. or, yeah. you know, let me, let me not try to, comp you know, child, the Forbes 30 under 30 list came out and I, I, ooh. That list annoys me. I, I but now a, I, I don't want to be on it because it's just all the scheming and fraud and. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there was a part of me that was like, dang, I really wanted, I well, wanted I that recognition, right? Yeah, I yeah. wanted that, I wanted that recognition. I wanted that yeah. validation. And I had to remind myself, girl, that's not what you're called to do. Right. Yeah. There we go. God didn't put it on your spirit. You're going to be Forbes 30 under 30. Right. God put it on your spirit. To be 40 under hope. 40, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. Maybe. Yeah. But I love, I maybe. love the We got five more years. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah. We've all been called, like we, and I, I think the theme here though is like, we listen to kind of that voice. Melissa, you said you've always wanted to be an author. Yeah, I said, yeah. I always wanted to be my own boss. I didn't know what that needed to look like yeah. or was what it was going to look always. You said this, God called you to do it. And yeah. I'm sure every logical bone in our body at some point in this journey, and it's especially for me right now, I'm fighting this. Like, yes. do if, if you called me to do this, why is this so chat? Like I said, mm -hmm. I bought into that idea that it was supposed to be easy or somehow, some some point was supposed to let up, but new levels, new devils, right? Like mm. bars. So, you know what I'm just. You know what I'm saying. Hey. 
So I just love that. I just want to call that out because you you said this is what I was like called to do, similar to you, similar to me. Like we that let me echo that theme here. So we just yeah. didn't dive into this. So again, make sure that content is sustainable with something you've been called to do. Yeah. Okay. And don't let haters get in your way and don't get in your own way. Ooh. Yeah. Guys, my um like person who like gives you like, the information when you were in college. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be an English Yeah, counselor. Yeah. I don't know why, girl, you're an English <coughs> major. Um, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an English major. She was like, writing's not going to make you money. I should go pay her a visit, shouldn't I? Ooh, like, you should send her a book. Send it signed. Like, I should. Ooh, you right? Should. She was like, oh, no, right, journalism. Because I was going to do journalism with a minor in English. She was like, no, those that doesn't make money. I was like, oh, stop crushing oh, dreams. You seem like a hater. <laughs> and so, yeah. So don't let anyone kind of tell you can't do this. Right. Yes. Try it. See what Try happens. It. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So before we wrap up, I want to know what's next for the both of you? Like anything you want to call out that you're working on, building, manifesting so that we can hold you accountable and come back and say, wow, a year later. Carmen's app is. I'm in. I'm in the lucrative stage. That's what, a year later. <laughs> I'm in the lucrative be. fun stage okay. of at least just for the time being of like, hey, I'm really happy about the resources that I have in front of me and taking full advantage of them in 2024 to be able to like help grow this company faster than I could have ever imagined. So I love that. That's my. That's what I'm manifesting for 2024. I, period. I'm, yeah. Uh, period. Rest uh, and ease yeah. on top of that. Hello. Yeah, a couple more naps for sure. (laughs) For sure. Um, I said this at the podcast launch. This is my next big thing. I really would like to write and pitch a show on one of the streaming platforms and have it out there. I don't know about in a year. Um, that would be great if it's in a year, but in the next two years in a major streaming platform. Okay. That writing, paying the bills. Period. Coming to (laughs) it. Silver screen near you. I hope so. I'm gonna say the next yeah. Issa, but not the that, next she Melissa. Such a, it's like, just Melissa. Yeah, Issa, the Melissa, Quinta. the Melissa, the yeah. Melissa we need. Yeah. yeah. Period. I, I love that. So. Um, where can we find you? So I'm stay connected. Okay, I'm on the internet. So <laughs> I know you're on the internet. But where on the internet are you? You're hanging out on the internet. Um, all things make real sense with uh, what is it? C E N T S sense. Um, and then also use much app, all things use much app, or you can go to the website, www.usemuch.com. Sign up for a free 30 day trial. Shout out to Sunita for letting me plug. Of course. I am a millennial in debt everywhere. Um, I'm on threads too. We was just talking about that. Um, all platforms, millennial in debt. Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it, Mill in Debt, you know, character limitations. Um, and millennialindebt.com for resources. You know, we're still blogging out here. We're still getting yeah. that SEO. Yeah. Um, and just anything that you need on there is it's free. Free 99. Yeah. Okay, I love it. So before we wrap up, I want to do my favorite segment of the show because this has been just such a good episode. But, you know, we got to bring it back to the hottie hotline where we answer live questions from the 9 to 5 viewers. And this question, I, I really think that both of you could really chime in on. So the question is, how do you set yourself up to be in a position to prepare to relocate for a new job? So for context, this viewer is a single mom in need of better opportunities, and she has a desire to find a good community and environment to make home for her and her family. She's really just looking for advice on how to get started. How much should she save? And really anything else you can think of signed in search of something new. I like that. Um, There's two things. One, you're going to pick a number and I always say pick the number that you think it's going to cost and then double it. Yeah. And that is coming from someone who moved out of their parents' house into their first home and didn't realize they had to buy their own kitchen utensils that I don't I don't know why I didn't think that, right? So pick a number where you're like, oh, I think moving to, I don't know, California is going to cost me 10000 double it to twenty, right, to, as your buffer. And if you are relocating with an offer in hand, negotiate. Yeah. Negotiate mm-hmm. everything. Um, one of our friends, Michael Bougie Budger, she was able to negotiate that in her relocation, and that wasn't something that was initially offered. So if you don't ask, you will never know. So absolutely negotiate and see if they can cover all the costs or some of the costs, you know, that is huge. Always negotiate. I love that's a great the negotiating piece is like hands down great advice because I didn't do that. I moved from Florida to New York, relocated. And I will say just echoing Melissa, just double whatever you think it's going to cost. I didn't realize like you had to, you know, give your social, your blood type first, <laughs> the last 15 months worth of rent here. 
Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> here. In, here. In, in New York. New York. Yes. In New York. Yes. So, and then like all the connection fees, right? Turn it on the cable, internet, yeah. heat, like astronomical prices, all that stuff. So I would say at, for, for her being a single parent is to scope out one, the cost of living in that area, research that that salary, whatever that's going to look like, and just start saving as much as possible. What helped my journey here, because mm -hmm. I'm doing exactly opposite of what I'm saying to do. <laughs> I got a, a referral fee. I moved just with a hope and a prayer. I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. I didn't have good credit at the time. I sublet a place up here in Harlem, but I got a referral bonus from someone. It came through right at the nick of time. I forgot about it. Six months uh, when I was working at City, it's like $3,000, $4,000 came through a uh, referral bonus. So if you can refer someone to your job, um, start looking into alternate forms of income so you could start stacking that so you can get closer to that goal a lot faster and definitely negotiating your, your uh, package if you can. Right. I love that. Only thing that I would add is as you think about a place to relocate, think about where you already have a network. Cause I think oh, it's so that. much harder when you're yeah. a single parent to try to create that from yep. scratch, right? Even if it's just a couple homegirls, you got a cousin, an auntie, right? Like that's still someone that can open up their network to you in a new city. And those things really do make the difference, especially as you're trying to adjust with your family. Now to the point about negotiating, I would also say reverse engineer that, right? So if you decide, okay, I want to move to Houston. That's where I got a cousin. I got an auntie. I got a whatever. Start to see what companies are based in Houston. Right. Yeah. Because to your point around relocation, a company is more likely to say, yeah, we'll pay for you to come to headquarters yeah. and help you via a relocation bonus than the other way around than trying to like look for a remote company that may not yeah. offer that or a company yeah. based in another state that may not set that may say we're not going to pay you to work and live in a satellite office right yeah. so I, I would think about those things too as you prepare but mm -hmm. i think this was just such awesome advice i agree thank you great. ladies yeah, yeah thank you yes and thank you for joining this was so yes. good i'm full i'm full yes I'm I'm like... we were cooking and <laughs> I am full now. This is great. Like, I feel very energized from this yeah. conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening, okay? This was another episode of 9 to Fly. I'll catch you next week for more tips on how to maximize your 9 to 5, grow your salary, and get that hottie lifestyle that we all want and deserve, okay? Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, y'all. I look at four. <laughs> <laughs>